Cod Moth. Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. As we kick off this episode, allow me to promise that I will only do a bad Australian accent a maximum of three times today. <laughs> that is because today we are honoring the legendary mustache of Mark Chapa Reed, one of the most notorious and entertaining blokes to walk along this great southern land. We will also honor Eric Bana, who is my Hulk, by the way. <laughs> he, he portrays this enigmatic cr criminal. And uh, by enigmatic, it's just a smart way to say uh, bunkers criminal. Um, <laughs> we'll learn more about him as we go along. Anyway, I'm going to say this right now. Watch this damn movie because this show won't do it justice. It has its own vibe. It has its own feel to it. Please watch it. You can pause it now. Welcome back. <laughs> so let's grow our handlebar mustaches, get another random prison tattoo, and cut our damn ears off and get this show on the road to the hospital. Now play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcast, yo. We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips. It's the Mustachio Podcast, yo. What is up? This is Daniel, your host of the Mustachio Podcastio, and today we have another one of those wonderful guests that I've had the opportunity to get to know uh, thanks to the Grind Bin. We are both fellow listeners and have both guested on the show, but never at the same time. Maybe one of these days they will make that happen. His name is David. What is up, David? Hello, Daniel. How are you today? Pretty good, man. I'm feeling great. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this movie um, to the show. Yeah, look, I was a bit concerned. Nothing quite like it as Grace It's when you said a mustache movie, I immediately thought of this one. There's there's nothing else popped into my mind, and I was concerned though. It's a very very Australian film. It's kind of unique, and I didn't know if you'd quite get it, but you seem to have caught on. Oh yeah, no, I absolutely love it, and honestly, plenty of mustaches in the in the whole movie itself. So that's good too. Yeah, the uh, not only does our protagonist have a mustache, a delightful one, uh, but also pretty much every <laughs> cop and detective in this movie has a porn stash that would do any seventies porn film proud. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that's true. It's like they went out of their way. Like, let's make this as porny as physically possible. Oh, it's so you good. And, and, you know, Eric Bana, not known necessarily for sporting a mustache, but he grows a really good one. So that's why I'm kind of sharing the spotlight with him and the actual Chopper um, as part of this episode because he actually sported that mustache um, to a T. And um, honestly, first we'll start off with what did you already did you did you already know quite a bit about the actual chopper or um was this something you've is this like something all australians have to know about <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah we learned about it in high school it's part of the curriculum <laughs> <laughs> we learned no. about mlk you learned about chopper reed <laughs> that's it it's the one-to-one -one equivalent you know <laughs> 
Uh, look, yeah, everyone knows Chopper. Uh, he was a, what we call in Australia, a character. Um, oh, yeah. He was in prison for most of his life and was up to all kind of shenanigans from the 70s right through to the 90s. And he was on TV a lot. And they made uh, TV shows about him, uh, docos, and, and just, just in the news for one stupid thing after another and murders. <laughs> and he was in court an awful lot and he'd always have something really funny to say so he'd get on the news you know he was a bit of a larrikin and uh yeah everyone in australia knew him and, and look if that's the one criticism i have of this movie uh the pretty much the only criticism i have is that um they kind of assume that you know who he is and, and his background before the movie starts because everyone who this movie was targeted at knew who he was and they just kind of went with it he, he kind of could have done with an origin story but um but i actually have made a few notes about that so we'll we'll cover that as we go yeah no you're right um a lot of it feels like fragmented bit, bits and pieces of this person that you kind of get to know as the movie goes on and so unless you've done a, some type of background this is just some very charismatic Almost, you know, dare I say, charming uh, criminal from Australia that has a way with words, has a way with, you know, interacting with people, and honestly is probably the closest to an actual Heath Ledger Joker, in my opinion, because <laughs> he says some things you agree with. He mostly just hurts other bad people for the most part. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, quite a. <laughs> quite an interesting comparison yeah i think uh, i would absolutely go with that if you told me that they were casting a joker movie and and chopper was going to be the joker i wouldn't blink for a second i'd go oh yeah that makes sense yeah that's, that's about right you know yeah he's chaos at its finest you know he's just kind of going with uh going where the wind takes him and reacting to things at the very second that he reacts to them there's no planning involved which yeah. i find so it's just so weird to me because I'm the opposite. I'm constantly over, um, I guess, calculating what might go on in an interaction, and this guy is just doing just doing whatever comes to him. He's like Tim Yobo. Yeah, he is like Tim Yobo. I, I draw that comparison also. And like Tim Yobo, he, he was in a gang for a long time that he started. So uh, gang leader, Tim Yobo, it all, it all, it all comes together. It really is. Uh, really does all come together. And look, one um, of the things we, we'll, just, yeah, we'll go ahead. And, go ahead. Well, yeah, I just want to say one of the things you said uh, said just a few minutes ago was that um, this movie felt a bit disjointed, like it was like a series of vignettes, I guess, that had been put together, and, and that's very much the case. Uh, when in the movie you'll see that he uh, talks about a book that he wrote that sold, you know, four hundred fifty thousand copies, and he's hilarious. He goes on and on about how he can't even spell, and people spend their entire lives learning how to write and writing novels, and no one ever buys them. And he just churned out some crap and sold four hundred fifty thousand dollars, four hundred fifty thousand copies, and he can't even spell. Um, he mentions that like seven times in the movie. Uh, he thinks he that's does. hilarious. Look, one of the he actually wrote, I think, about 14 novels about his life. Um, and I remember I was a librarian uh, briefly, and um, we we had them all, and they would, they would constantly be coming and going. And, and some of them had some really cool titles, like uh, One Thing Led to Another, How to Shoot Friends and Influence People, uh, Fool and His Toes Are Soon Parted, 
there's uh, my favorite one um no cheers for a tough guy you know he um and there's some really lame ones oh too God. you know like a bullet in the head is worth two in the bush you know he was um and he wrote a kids book as well <laughs> yeah the, uh, the kids book really caught me off guard when i heard about <laughs> when i was reading about that i was like what he wrote a kids book they tried to ban it too or like not let it happen but well a lot of librarians happened. yeah a lot of libraries didn't want they didn't try to ban the book but a lot of libraries didn't want to have it in their stock because it was a kids book but it was not appropriate for kids really basically it was this whole story about how his mother was a horrible person and and every single person in the book whether it's the judge lawyers him his mates his parents every time anyone came across any kind of other person telling them what to do or stopping them from doing what they want, violence incurred immediately. So, so the whole book was just like telling you the story if you're a kid that if you don't get your way, be violent. Uh, that was the whole point in the book. So, oh, my um, God. Yeah. Um, and it was really kind of horrible as well. It was like a grayscale book and the only you know, sort of dark and foreboding. And, and every now and again, there'd be big splashes of red when someone got the shit kicked out of them or something. You know, it's um, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would love to see a, a, a OG copy of that. that, that would, that's got to be... I'll try to find you. I'll try to find it. And I'll send it to you. <laughs> but that actually yeah, brings so... you back to something else you said as well, which is um, about how the movie is him just reacting on a minute-by-minute minute basis to things going on around him with no planning, no forethought. Uh, my father was actually a prison officer for 35 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, sh- he showed me um, a whole bunch of research and told me about how if you go into any prison and you interview 100 people, 97 of them will have serious issues with what they call impulse control there's a whole psychological uh field called impulse control which is you know say you're walking down the street and you see some beautiful young chica and you think oh i'd love to have sex with her or whatever and you know maybe you might even go to a dark place where you would think oh you know i could force her or whatever i don't know it pops into your head and you're a normal person (laughs) okay (laughs) not me other people but but, you know you're a normal person and you think um well that's ridiculous i'm not gonna do that you know it's a horrible thing i would never do that but or maybe you think I want some money, so I'll rob a bank. Or you think, oh, you know, so you have a dark thought. Everyone has dark thoughts. Oh yeah, yeah. The issue with pretty much everyone who's in prison is they get that dark thought and then they just do it. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't occur. It doesn't occur to them not to rob the bank. It doesn't occur to them not to stab the person. It doesn't occur to them not to force themselves on some poor young lady. You know, they they don't have that level of control. And and it's 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 almost ubiquitous. It's they get people in jail who rob their employers and and things like that. You know, bad account, dodgy accountants and things like that. You know, they have impulse control. But for all the violent crime and it's just literally it doesn't occur to them not to do it yeah i I definitely grew up with some people like that and it is a difficult to be friends with people that way because a lot of times very similar to what we see in this movie with chopper is they'll hurt you sometimes physically sometimes mentally and then they apologize like they're like oh my yeah sorry man like not a big deal yeah, yeah, and that was absolutely chopper. You saw that all through the movie. He would do some terrible thing, and then instantly he'd be like, "Oh man, I sorry, I probably shouldn't have shot you in the face. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, let me drive you to the hospital." You know, and he would do crazy yeah. stuff like that. You know, he would literally shoot someone and then feel bad about it and drive him to the hospital. He's crazy guy. <laughs> he is uh, one of the most entertaining 
crazy because i actually did go back on youtube and look at some actual footage of of the actual person chopper reed being interviewed by the reporter and some other stuff. I think there's some footage of Eric Bana when he spent the like, mm, yeah, he with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years before when they were starting off the process of making the movie, he spent a couple of weeks with him. Yeah. And that is where you really realize that Eric Bana is a damn good actor because he really did capture a lot of that essence. Um, the, the speech pattern, the nonverbal stuff, the laughter, like the perfect timing of when he would normally laugh. Banna got a really good hold on that. Um, the only thing I would say is there's just something that you, you can't replicate, which is that natural grittiness that the real Chopper Reed has that's very difficult unless you've seen or been through a lot of really dark shit. It's really hard to get, but Banna still did an amazing job, like about as good as I would imagine anybody could do. Well, look, you're absolutely right. And... Um... It, it's funny because when we first started talking about this movie coming out, when they first announced it, you had the same conversation over and over and over again with the people around you. You'd say, oh, did you hear they're making a movie about Chopper? And they'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, who's going to be in it? And you'd say, oh, Eric Banner. And they'd stop and they'd say, well, is it a comedy? And you would say, no, it's, it's not going to be a comedy. It's going to be a serious film. And they go, well, who, which Eric Banner are you talking about? And you'd say, Eric Banner from the comedy company, from TV. And they're like, oh, my God, it's going to be a train wreck. I mean, literally nobody at all thought that this was going to be a remotely good performance. They all thought it was going to be trash. And people, wow. who, said they were, people who said they were, wanted to see it wanted to see it because they thought it was going to be a train crash and it would be a funny story to tell their friends, you know. Oh, yeah. Because cause when, uh, when this was first announced, I mean, Eric Banner had been in a really great, amazing Aussie movie called The Castle, which... Now that I think about it, the lead character has a mustache, and that probably would have been a better <laughs> movie for us to do. But uh, hadn't for next time. It. Yeah, next time. And um, yeah, he had a bit part in that. Well, not a bit part, but a small part in that, uh, in which he was hilarious. And then he was. I uh, honestly, I had no idea he did comedy. I oh, I yeah, only yeah. know him as a serious actor. <laughs> no, no. Well, he did that. Uh, he did that comedy role, and then he was in a TV show called The Comedy Company, which is one of those sketch shows that. Oh, you know, okay. Every week they'd come on and do a bunch of sketches and whatever. And that was a very, very popular show for quite a few years. He wasn't one of the main cast, but he was on it every second or third week. He'd be doing one or two sketches. And then he had his own show. He actually had his own show called... and. Write this down because you'll need to remember. It was called Eric. You know, they, uh, in typical Australian fashion, they stayed up all night brainstorming what they could call this show, and they come up with Eric. Um, it only went for about nine episodes. It wasn't good, but um, but uh, but yeah, he had his own comedy show and everything. Wow. And then it, and then it was after that that they announced this movie, and then everyone was suddenly like Eric Banner. Really? But obviously, since then, he's gone on to have an amazing career. This movie made him, because this movie was the one that everyone looked at it and went, oh, shit, Eric Banner can act. Yeah, they can and, take him seriously as a as a more, uh, I guess, flexible type, you know, serious type actor or dramatic actor, things like that. He, he, I mean, yeah, he showed yeah. a really good chops of being comedic, terrifying, and dramatic all in the one movie um so yeah exactly great. but and obviously he went on to do hulk uh, black hawk down he was a voice in finding nemo he was a bad guy in star trek you know he's uh, he's had quite a career quite a <laughs> yeah, varied he, career yeah very very yeah like all kinds of stuff this guy um i haven't really seen a lot of interviews uh with him i don't know if he's kind of a private guy but um 
I, I do like his work, and, and honestly, I know I probably shouldn't, because maybe it's going to ruin it, but I do want to watch Angley's the uh, well, Angley's Hulk, because I have not seen it since I saw it in the drive-in theater when it came out, which was what, like 2003 or four or something like that, four? Yeah, I can't remember. And I was so high, and I was just like making out with chicks, and... I just, I don't remember it well, um, and I'm sure it's not great, but I still kind of want to see it. <laughs> well, I uh, went and saw it at the cinema alone, no chickens, not high. <laughs> there was probably popcorn and maybe red licorice. I don't know. It was a dark, dark time in my life. But uh, but uh, no, I went and saw it at the cinema uh, at the cinema, and um, I didn't like it at all. I, I watched the entire thing from beginning to end, thinking that at some point it was going to get better. And um, I've never revisited it either. So um, yeah. maybe I should get back and watch it again as well. And you know what? You that know does what? have Sam Elliott in it, doesn't it? Uh, I don't even remember. I think but, um, I think Sam Elliott plays the. Um, uh, the his girlfriend's uh, dad, who's like in charge of the military thing. I think it has Sam Elliott. In it. I could be wrong, but if it does have him in it, technically it could be on the show, which is sad. <laughs> well, but it could we'll technically be on the show. Maybe we will. Um, but yeah, back to back to Chopper. Um, yeah, try to give me some background, I, or you? Oh no, sorry. Go yeah, on. go ahead. Good. Yeah, give me some. Give me a little background. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to uh, step on your line there. No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so, as I said, the movie kind of just jumps in, assuming that you know who he is, so I'll just give you a quick rundown. Um, basically, he was born to an army vet who'd served in World War II, uh, and was also Irish, so you can imagine there's a, a few issues there, and oh, yeah. his mother, yeah, <laughs> and his uh, mother was a extremely devout Seventh-day Adventist. And I don't actually know anything about Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, so this, I'm not slagging anybody off for their religion. Um, I just know I, that they can be a bit harsh, you know? I was going to say, I think they're pretty strict with their rules. Yeah, yeah. Like, can't drink coffee or nothing. Yeah, yeah, you can't watch TV. And that's uh, part of the issue. He, he was never allowed to watch TV. He never went to movies. He couldn't... Every, you know, Friday night at 6 o'clock or something, he had to lock himself in his house until Saturday night at 6 o'clock. So he missed out on a lot of social stuff, things like that that but but i mean that's the best of it um basically he spent the first five years of his life in a home i think uh it's not really covered anywhere that i could find but obviously they gave him up or something and he spent the first five years in his in a home and then after that um you know he used to his dad used to beat him up all the time and things like that and from interviews I've read, mostly it was at his mother's beckoning because every time he did something that was remotely anti-Seventh-day Adventist rules, you know, she would tell him to beat the kid up and he would, you know, he would get the shit kicked mm -hmm. out of him. And and then when he uh, turned 14, he actually said, I refuse to go to the church anymore, I'm not participating, I'm not going or whatever. And his mum was so horrified by that and so embarrassed that she actually had him committed to a mental institution so that she could tell everybody at the church that... Her son was crazy. He hadn't left the church because he didn't want to be there. He left because he was crazy. And he went from one mental institution to another for a while until they worked out that whilst he had many, many issues, he wasn't actually certifiably insane and they let him out again. So um, that was his teenage years. Jeez. And um, <laughs> God. 
And just to add to all of that, he was. Oh, he also had that uh, shock treatment, allegedly. Yes, I did read that he mentioned that. I did also read that he did mention that he he was molested at some point. Um, yeah, when he was seven. Yeah, he tells that story in uh, one of the interviews how he was molested at seven, and uh, he had to walk home. And uh, he was molested, and it was so horrible that he actually pooed his pants. And then he had to walk like you know ten miles across town to get home. And then when he got his well, got home, he told his dad what had happened, and his dad beat him up for pooing his pants. So wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times with these with these kind of individuals, there's usually an equation. There's a lot of um, adverse um, childhood experiences that cause a lot of these. That just stacks up against them. You know, it's like it's like yeah, a tidal yeah. wave. How are you ever gonna get back from that? Exactly. One thing on as I said, one thing led to another. But um, yeah, she didn't have the best uh, best childhood, and um, also the other thing to take into account is that between when he was twenty and when he was thirty eight. He only spent a year out of prison. So all of that time, nearly, you know, 18 years of his life, he was in prison for almost all of it except for one year. So, God. so you know, he... Uh... <laughs> so so when they show him, like, footage of him outside of prison, that's because he's old, he's past 38 and now he's... So he was free for um, most of, like, the rest of his life until he ended up passing away. Yeah, he right? died like he, from cancer age 58 so he kind of spent 20 years out of prison 20 years in prison and then you know 20 years out of prison again sort of thing Man. that is just that so this guy has he's seen a lot of messed up shit he's and and because of a lot of that he did a lot of messed up shit and uh and this movie kind of gives you like them and it even opens up with saying, like, this film is a dramatization in which narrative liberties have been taken. It is not a biography. And I really like it when a movie does that because it's like, oh, cool. So we can have a little bit of a little bit of wiggle room. We can kind of have some flexibility. Yeah. You know? I think what they did was they took him at his word. And they actually call it out in the movie right at the end. One of the things he says is one of the prison officers asked him, you know, oh, is all that stuff you say true? And he said something like, you know, oh, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And yep. Um, yep. and he actually said that in real life as well. That's actually a thing that he said in an interview once, you know. And I, uh, But I think based on all the shitty things that they absolutely know for sure he did, um, you know, like shitting people in the face and cutting people's toes off and all that kind of stuff, um, I think that uh, like all good lies, I think all of his stories have a – relatively significant uh, basis of truth oh, yeah. and then he yeah. just expanded it out in whatever direction was the funniest you know yeah i think and, he's a um, good embellisher uh, yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah he's an embellisher he took a good story and made it better yeah 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 like he wasn't necessarily res respected but people understood the game like that this guy this guy was legitimate and was an og and uh and and you could just tell that this guy is notorious for for yeah, maybe he embellishes, but he is someone that you don't want to you don't want to fuck with. <laughs> so. No, exactly. You know, all you, all you have uh. to do is spend thirty seconds with him, and you see the look in his eyes and the shiftiness, and he will say something really weird, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's the that's the crazy guy. Stay <laughs> stay away from the crazy guy. <laughs> um. um. Uh, did you have anything else to add background? I just uh, wanted to say that, um, yeah, when he was a teenager, he uh, formed a gang, uh, not unlike Tim Yobo's gang, and um, started 
doing shifty stuff. And I don't know if it was his dad or his uncle, I can't remember. But someone sat him down and had a conversation with him and said, look, if you're going to be a bad guy and that's what you want to do for a living, um, you should be smart about it and you should not, you know, don't knock over the granny and steal her pension money or whatever because you're going to have you know, 500 police looking for you, you're going to be on the news, you know, they're not going to stop until they find you, you are, if you just stick to bad guys and you only hurt and rob and whatever uh, pieces of shit, then the rest of society is not going to care. <laughs> just knock yourself out, you know, and, and not, I'm not talking just about mum and dad, I'm talking about the police and the courts and whatever. You know, if you get yeah. dragged into court for getting some rapist and cutting his toes off and whatever, then everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's a terrible thing. It is It is kind of quite interesting that his dad would bring him up like the way the dad from, the, from Dexter brought up his... Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, there was a... <laughs> Dexter's... You... Oh, you have a... Pe- <laughs> you have a penchant for anger and hatred for uh, humans. Uh, why don't you just take out the bad ones and you'll be okay. Um... Yeah, I did hear about the gang stuff. He did start his gang. Yeah, he had um, a gang on the outside, and then he had a gang in prison as well. A gang in the yeah. inside, so right? he was locked up in um, um, Pentridge, which is pretty much Australia's worst prison. Uh, it's where they send, you know, it's the Supermax equivalent, where they send all the really, really bad people. Oh, okay. And within Pentridge, Pentridge Prison, uh, H Division is the worst of the worst. Uh, so every notorious bad guy who ever got caught in prison, they all ended up in Pentridge's H division. And that's where he was for, uh, when he was in prison. So he was, you know, considered amongst the worst of the worst. Um, and, and the reason he ended up there was a, because of his, uh, pinch on for tying people to death down to chairs and cutting off their toes with bolt cutters and attacking them with flamethrowers or, blow torches and things like that, uh, all of the kind of things that society, you know, tends to frown on. Um, you know, the reason he ended up in prison for the longest time, uh, because as I said, all he ever did was, you know, rob other bad guys, was because he kidnapped a judge. Um, it's not really very clear in the movie, but what happened? Yeah, they just barely touched yeah, yeah. on it in the movie. So what happened was there's a guy, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but there's a guy in the prison who was his best mate. So he didn't really have a lot of friends, but he had one friend who got incarcerated. And Chopper's idea to get this guy out of prison was to kidnap a judge and force the judge to sign a bit of paper that says, let this guy out of prison. Which I'm, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that's how it works, but... Uh, <laughs> But um, but that's what he did, and um, of course you know you if you want to stab a pimp in the face, go for it. But if you kidnap a judge, they tend to take a different approach. So yeah, that's like some like um, that is like some childlike wonder. Like that is some shit that me and my friends would have thought of when we were seven. exactly. Like what if we just steal, like just kidnap the judge and we'll make him like it's, it's... yeah exactly. So it's, it's yeah. as I said, impulse control. He, the, the thought occurred to him to kidnap a judge and get his mate freed, and that's what he did. There's nothing in between. It's, there's yeah. no filter there. Um, so then, and again, this is a typical Chopper story. He uh, kidnaps a judge. He gets thrown in prison. He gets sent to a H block in Pentridge, uh, and he ends up in the same place as his mate. So he actually gets himself into the same oh, wow. uh, pers- in the in the same um, group as as the person he was trying to save. Um, but then he starts a gang um, in prison. 
And there's actually they all wear coats. Yeah, right? they all wear. Yeah, like yeah. They, they've all got these prison coats. They keep telling them that they're cold and they want these coats. And the coats obviously are there to, um, uh, Sign- like signify, like yeah, that they're in the gang and also affiliated. Also with, allows them to yeah. more easily hide um, weapons. weapons. And, yeah, and yeah, all that kind of shanks. stuff. So, yeah, so then um, he's in prison with this guy, and he actually comes up with this plan to. Uh, oh, here's this uh, ongoing gang war with another part of the crew. So again, I want to, sorry, too much background here, but but there's um, used to be this thing called the Painters and Dockers Union. And the Painters and Dockers Union basically... Oh, so it used to be a union. No, he wasn't, but the okay. other guy was. No, no, yeah. The yeah, the guy he stabs yeah. at the beginning of the movie uh, in prison, he was in the yeah. uh, Painters and Dockers Union. And they were... Uh, Good old Keithy. Yeah, Keithy, that's right, yeah. With the um, <laughs> black ring polish on his head to hide his bald spot, you know. <laughs> he was the uh, opposite side in this gang war in prison. And um, the, the painters and dockers were basically like an organised crime, really. They they uh, controlled all of the ports uh, across Australia and they also had a whole bunch of uh, thousands of other affiliated, you know, like painters and bricklayers and all that kind of stuff were all in the same union. And uh, the only way you could get into the union basically was if you were a family member of somebody who was already in. It was a whole mafia kind of thing. and. Uh, and so this guy, Keithy, was part of the Painters and Dockers Union, and that's why when um, Mark kills him, there's all that fuss because all the rest of the, you know, the Painters and Dockers Union all put in thousands of dollars each to put a hit out on him in prison, and, and that's kind of where that background came from. Um, I like the way this, this movie opens up. We have Eric Banner playing Mark Chopper Reed. It's. I think it's um, 1991. He's watching his own media interview, which is some of the most like hilarious shit I've ever seen in my life. Because he's literally like, he's like commentating on his own comments. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, say hi." Say and, he's, hi. and he's waving at himself, waving at himself. <laughs> This guy just loved energy. Honestly, Honestly in, the right in the right setting, he would have just been an entertainer. Oh, he would have been a stand-up like, comedian or something, and he would have been hilarious, yeah. and he would have made a ton of money. Yeah. That's basically, That's basically what he is. He has a couple of guys in his room. A couple, a couple of, uh, I think they call them screws. Screws, yeah, yeah. Prison yeah, like, screws. Yeah, he calls them screws. And uh, they're they're obviously he's been able to make friends because they're all like just watching along with him. And he talks about how, you know, he has a hatred for humanity. And he's like, that's why you're talking to me. You know, I I'm just some, you know, people think that I have this this uh, craziness about me, but I'm just a normal guy uh, who happens to like a bit of torture. <laughs> I've got the exact quote here. I'm just a bloody normal bloke who likes a bit of torture. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he's honest about it. Well, that's the whole thing. He didn't have any filter, so he would just say whatever was in his mind, and sometimes he embellished stuff, but mostly he would just say the truth, yeah. Yeah, that's who he was. And uh, we, we get our pretty close to the major scene where we we see we have our first run-in with, with Keith. Um, I forget Keith's last name. Um, shit. But it's Keithy something. And uh, he's, he's part of that, that gang, and he is basically telling Chopper... You see that line right there? You can't cross it. And and we find out eventually that they've been going back and forth with this guy's for gang three. for three years. Yeah. and Which is like, that seems like so long. I know, it does. But you got nothing else to do in prison. But um, that's actually one of my favorite lines from the film <laughs> is his mate, the one who he uh, kidnapped the judge, says, um, why have we been fighting them for three fucking years? And then Chopper says, I don't know. 
And the guy says, mate, we should have a reason. And Chopper says, oh, make one up. <laughs> See, that is some Joker shit, dude. We'll make one up? This guy's like living his own narrative. Like he's just creating his own story. Like what the hell, man? And uh, they do make one up. And <laughs> Chopper gets out. And he gets into the communal space. And he takes out uh, He takes out good old Keithy, jo- Keithy George. That's the name. And um, at first we don't know if he's dead. But he stabs him like four times in the throat. Yeah. Damn. Right in the throat. And... and <laughs> Again, every every line in this movie is uh, hilarious. He he just walks over and just starts shooting this guy like literally four times in the throat, and he's laying on the ground, p- blood pouring out everywhere, you know. And and again, immediately, instantly, he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, the cops are coming. The the screws are coming. Everything will be fine." And then the guy's like, "Oh, fuck off, Chopper. Leave me alone." And and then Chopper says, um, "You don't like me much, do you, Keith?" <laughs> And he's like, he's genuinely upset that Keith doesn't like him. So someone who he's been fighting with for three years in prison, he just stabs him, you know, four times in the throat. And then he's upset because the guy doesn't like him. <laughs> and he actually tries to give, he tries to give Keith a, a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just throws it at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he likes a cigarette. He doesn't want to get too close. Yeah, he likes to have a cigarette, and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He's, um... God and uh, Keith tells him like if you're just trying to make a name for yourself you're a fucking idiot dude like you've literally written your own death note and uh, he really kind of has he's kind of screwed himself at this point he's taken out someone that's fairly um, well known very influential for no fucking reason too so <laughs> and I, I do like the whole part where the guards they come and they come and get Keith and Chopper's like Keith uh, Keith seems to have done himself a bit of mischief <laughs> yeah, yeah and then he's talking in the interview afterwards and they're like oh so what happened in there and he's like oh I don't know I was you know but he was washing his hands and somebody else was playing cards and somebody else was watching a bug and I was watching the guy watching the bug and no one saw anything you know and they're in this tiny little space with like 12 people he shoots this guy to death and then like no one saw anything you know oh my god man it's just so good just them watching the stupid bull ant yeah like, yeah <laughs> The fact that they filmed that is so good. And they're watching the bull out while this guy's slowly bleeding to death in the corner, you know. (laughs) Bull out's more interesting. And, and, uh, you know, Chopper tries to tell his friends, don't worry, we'll take care of this. You know, we're going to, I have a plan. And his plan is incredibly intricate. We Well, first we find out from Governor Beasley that all these people... From the opposing gang, have put together uh, ten thousand. Yeah, the painters and dockers basically yeah. get him knocked. Yeah, the painters and dockers union put together ten grand to have him knocked off. Yet, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, that's a, uh, a lot of money back then. Yeah, yeah. Like, was it the seventies? Uh, yeah, seventies, late seventies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, his friends, his are, friends not are not having it, man. We got you got um you got Jimmy, and you got I guess Blue. I think his yeah, name is. Bluey or something. Yeah. Bluey. Bluey. He's the uh, he's the one that, looks, the one that looks like he's gonna narc it, <laughs> narc on you at any. He's the moment. one who's literally pissing his pants twenty four seven. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He is, he is a, soft as soft as it can be, <laughs> and he tries to tell them his plan, which is to which is fucking insane. He wants to basically ice pick the spines of every person in the, in the H division. Yeah. Yeah. So he wants to take a screw you know, hostage. 
and then block off the yep. door so no one can get into H Division, get the keys, and then literally open up one cell at a time through the entire division and ice pick the spine of every person who's on the opposing side. <clears throat> that's 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 the plan. Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, much like his plan to to kidnap a judge, it's just um, it's make believe. Yeah, you just a, you can't do something like that. It's a lot. Yes, and it ends up biting him in the ass because uh, we 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 see him and his boys. They they all get to hang out. I gotta say, you know, I, I'm sure Australian prison is rough, but I I don't, I don't know if this is actually how it was. But it's kind of cool that they have like. Him and his friends are in the same cell, and it's three of them. Mm. It seems kind of cool. <laughs> like I got, it always seems so much worse than the. Uh, well, American prisons are bad, but then they show like Russian prisons that look like fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah, the gulags. Yeah, they're just one big. <laughs> yeah. It's like Indonesian prisons and stuff like that. It's just one big open space, and everyone just lays around on the floor, crammed in on top of each other. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. The the whole stabbing scene, I just find absolutely captivating. He takes off his shirt, and you just see all the blood just drenching down, and then Bluey fucking barbs. <laughs> yeah, he just sits in the corner <laughs> vomiting, and and I love that after the guy stabbed him like six or seven or eight times over a period, he just looks him in the face and goes, "Oh mate, if you keep stabbing me, you're gonna kill me." Like he's having to explain to the guy what the possible outcome of his actions are. You know, <laughs> it's incredulous. Like if you keep stabbing me, I'm, you know, you're gonna kill me. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and there, there is like a, there's a close friendship between them. There's like a little moment where they're like forehead to forehead. Like a, they're like, hey man, like we're we were good friends, and you're trying to kill me, dude. Like back the fuck off. And eventually he subdues Jimmy. And lay, and Jimmy has him lay down, and then Jimmy has himself stabbed so that way it looks like he was attacked first. Yeah, that's it. And we find, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy's a piece of Jimmy's shit. Jimmy's a piece of human garbage as well. But um, and then yeah, that's this whole running theme through this movie is what they call the victims of crime. I don't know if you have it in America, but if if you're a victim of crime in Australia, you can apply to the government and they'll just give you some money, like they'll give you five grand or something like that to, like, is you know to just because you were a victim of crime. And what keeps on coming up through this movie is all these times he would go out and get some drug dealer and cut off his toes and steal his money. And then the guy will go to the government and say, I'm a victim of crime and get 10 grand. <laughs> and, he, and this is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what he keeps talking about, victims of crime all the time, because it's, you would get just hand out money from the government just because you're, uh, hmm. And that's why even if you're behind, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a victim of crime, you can get cash, and that's what Jimmy does: is he uh, stabs a guy, he tries to kill him, and then he goes pretends to get stabbed, and then he goes to court, and one of the part of the court case is that he's a victim of crime, and they give him five grand or ten grand or whatever it was. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Wow. Yeah, they they go out to court and. you know, Jimmy tries his best to stand his own ground, and he does a pretty decent job of acting like not a drug addict and like trying to represent himself. But the problem is, is that Chopper is so damn funny and charming and charismatic, and so everyone falls for his shit, and he's the one getting all the headlines. Yeah, Jimmy and Jimmy looks like a piece of shit in the paper. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, you know, oh, you're in the paper, but he got the bigger picture, and like, you know, Chopper's picture is the whole page, and and his picture's a tiny little thumbnail in the corner, you know. But did you get the part about the? Uh, oh, there's two things I want to talk about. One is. Uh, when they're interviewing him before the court case, the police, to say what happened, you know, whatever, 
because he got stabbed eight times and he lost a few feet of intestine. And they're saying that Jimmy's gone against you and Chopper's like, oh, that would never happen. And they showed him the statement that the guy made and whatever. And um, they said, look, you got to do something about this. And he looks them straight in the face and he's like, look, we've had a falling out. It's no big deal. It's like when your mum stabs you. What can you do? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't stab her back. You yeah, know, it's your exactly. mom. He's, he's, my, kind of... he's my best mate. You know, what do you, what do you, what do you want me to do? You know, you know he knows that he's going to get his, he's probably going to get killed or something with all these people against him. He decides to be put, I guess, like in the, almost like a sanitarium or something by having someone cut his damn ears off. Yeah, yeah. He wants to be, he wants out of H-block because the painters and dockers are putting yeah. it out on him and this, this whole thing. And because Jimmy... It's too dangerous. Jimmy obviously was killing him for two reasons. He was trying to kill him so A, to get out of this scheme that Chopper had to, you know, um, paralyze the they entire ward. They didn't want to do it. <laughs> uh, and secondly, to get the money. He wanted the 10 grand from the painters and dockers for the hit on um on chopper so when that hit didn't work and chopper was back in prison obviously he knew that somebody else was going to come for him so he asked to be removed from h block and they refused to remove him they basically said suck shit you know (laughs) we don't care if you get killed um which i think is actually pretty realistic and so yeah so in the end in order to get out of there and put somewhere else he uh has one of the other prisons cut off both his ears yeah, yeah. and in, in in actuality um if you look at the real uh chopper read on on youtube his ears are really gone like almost completely gone and and banna i think because he actually has ears and it's really hard to kind of make it look like yeah it wasn't particularly he looked like he looks like yeah. yeah he looks like a ufc fighter <laughs> Yeah, he had definitely looked like he had mangled ears, but he didn't look like he had no yeah. ears. Where Chopper had no ears. It looked like Mike Tyson just yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah, exactly. win at those sons of bitches. <laughs> and uh, just chomped at his fucking face. <laughs> but you know, they did. They you could still tell that um, they were pretty mangled up. And then after that, boom, we're we got Chopper out in the free world. Yeah, He's got ten years his later, goddamn yeah. horseshoe. The, He's doing damn. The good. stash is in effect. Oh, full effect. And he also, Eric Bana gained like, it looks like he gained, what, 50 pounds, 40 pounds, something like that? I don't know what pounds are, but yeah, he uh, stacked on the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You and your stupid made up number system, miles and inches and pounds and whatever. Use the real metric system like everybody else on the goddamn planet. We're a stubborn country. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I think you guys. I think you guys officially adopted the metric system as your national standard in like 1976, and you're still refusing to use it. So come on, guys, <laughs> and drive on the left-hand side of the road for fuck's sake. Oh Jesus! If I tried doing that, we'd all be fucked. I'd end up running to somebody. Um, and he's he's having a good time. He's got a girl around his his arm. And Tracy he's being a complete gentleman. Tracy, yeah, we will. Or is it, or is it no Tanya? Oh, Tanya. Sorry, Tanya. Tracy. Yeah, Tanya. Yeah. And actually, you see later on in the movie that he's got a Tanya tattoo on his hand. So I think again, that relationship was obviously a lot deeper than it's really portrayed in the movie. Yeah, because in real in reality, I think it was an old an old girlfriend of his that he had had for a while. So she was sort of his go to, but. She's also someone that works at a brothel, so she's a lot of people's go-tos. <laughs> yeah, <I got> you. <laughs> yeah. 
no he's get he gets all pissed off he goes to the club and the guys are like hey chopper and he's like hey man like i'm trying to keep it in the dark like i don't want people to know i'm around and i don't need advertisements over here and you really get to see how someone like him can't quite survive properly or not not survive he'll survive fine they can't function very well in a regular world uh in a free world because there's too many things he's too many he's too paranoid there's too much going on and he he meets this guy neville who is one of my favorite characters in the movie yeah neville's actually a really great uh greek australian actor called vince colosimo uh he did a whole bunch of tv shows and and a few movies uh very well loved australian um actor yeah 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 he's awesome awesome, man oh sorry i just wanted to say what actually is really confusing to me is that they then did a tv series (laughs) about chopper and he was in that but in a different role so i was very confused for a while there sorry go on (laughs) oh shit they did yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's so good as neville um he yeah he's like he's one of those like He's selling, you know, he's selling blow. He's making good money. He's got all these gold chains on. He's he's got nice, you know, tons of big old giant head of hair. Looks fantastic. And apparently, he's also got a limp, and it's because of, it's because of Chopper, because he shot his fucking leg. Yeah, shot him in the knee. Destroyed it, he's, and then. You know, he said, you know, oh, look, mate, you know, I'm sorry I shot you in the knee. I, I wanted to shoot you in the head, but then I thought better of it, and I only shot you in the knee, so are we okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I will give it to Neville. He's pretty forgiving. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it's all good. Water under the bridge. I'll buy you a bottle of booze, whatever you want. You know? That was 10 years ago. Oh, and then he said, yeah. oh, that was 10 years ago. I got my victims of crime money. I'm okay. <laughs> He got ten grand for yeah. victims of crime, and he's fine. That's the business, you know. That was that's like a startup loan. You know, you just get ten thousand dollars and start. You build a cocaine empire. You know, he's doing all right. And uh, but you know, for some reason with Chopper, it's just not working out. He's just not feeling it. He's just he doesn't like the way this guy's just swinging his dick around, acting like he's the coolest shit in the bar. And uh, things eventually escalate to the point where he gets kind of jealous with with uh, uh tanya and he sees like her, her lighting his cigarette or something like that and he's like hey what the hell what's going on with that and she's like don't worry about it it's not a big deal and he loses his shit and just starts shooting in the bar just shoots randomly in the bar like oh god bro what are you doing man you can't do that Oh, some Wild West shit, man. Yeah, and that was a very notorious nightclub. That um, that kind of shenanigans. Bojangles. Bojangles, yeah. I think they show you at the end of the film, like hundreds of people around the world would go to Bojangles and have photos taken outside, you know, because it was a very infamous club for that kind of thing. <laughs> My God. Um, and we also get to meet Chopper's dad, who uh, makes a lot of sense why, uh, you know, Chopper has a lot of issues because his dad's a dick. <laughs> yeah, and it's really funny how he said, you know, like he just comes in that door and he's like, yeah, good night, Dad. And he goes to go into his room and his dad's like, I haven't seen you in 10 years. You've been in prison. You can come and sit down and talk to me. And he's like, oh, God, do I have to? And then you see after they chat for a while that they pan out a little bit and there's this really shitty banner across the across the top of the oh, lounge yeah. room saying, you know, welcome home, Chopper, or welcome home, Mark, or something like that. Yeah, it's like, welcome home, Mark. And it's just like written in Sharpie. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really trash. And and the dad gets him a beer, and then they uh, clink the glasses, and then first thing the dad says is, cheers, big ears, you know, and starts laughing. At his oh, shit. I know. He's such a dick, dude. He makes fun of Chopper's uh, button-up shirt. Yeah, like a like, nice <laughs> shirt. Do they make them for men? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guy's been back in the house two minutes after ten years, and he's already taken the piss out of his ears, taken the piss out of his shirt. <sighs> Busting his chops, no pun intended. Oh, but this is the best line, yeah. I think. And, well, one of the best lines. They're all good, but one of the best lines of the whole movie is that he's talking about Jimmy and how he got fucked over and he had to do 10 years because Jimmy screwed him over and all this kind of stuff. And then he is, oh, look, mate, Jimmy's my mate. I can't do anything about it. And then the dad says, and I'm going to quote here, I always told you, son, your kindness will be the death of you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, only a dad would tell you that. Yeah. God. About Uncle Chop Chop, your kindness will be the death of you. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, he's telling that to Chopper. You know, (laughs) jeez. But yeah, you can tell straight away the guy's a total asshole. Yeah, Yeah, so so he tells the girl that, um, yeah, they're going to go away together and live a quiet life somewhere, and she laughs in his face, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she is not having it, man. Um, shit really hits the fan. Uh, uh, we just when you were starting to really like Chopper. Yeah, um, yeah, that was my thing as well. You finally think, oh yeah, he's got some mental health issues, but he's all right. Nope. No, uh, <laughs> he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. He he destroys his own car, uh, then then breaks into to her place who she lives with her mom and the mom is like what are you doing get the hell out of here and he's like um no get the fuck out of my way i'm I'm just talking to your daughter i'm not gonna hurt her but then he fucking grabs her by the back of the neck it's like oh my god dude what is wrong with you man and it just excels it go it accelerates from there he um he he bops her a couple of times. She hits the floor. He headbutts um like a an old lady pretty much. He's like <laughs> she is almost old, but she's on the verge of the old ladyhood. Yeah. Yes, and he headbutts her. I I and I gotta say, I kind of laughed when he headbutted the old lady. I just couldn't help it. It was so funny the timing of it all. Yeah, it kind of broke the tension a little oh. bit because you just watched him beat his girlfriend half to death. Well, you don't actually see it. They film it in such a way that you can know what's happening, but you don't actually see it. And then, yeah, you headbutts yeah. the old lady, and then you kind of like you get that bit of comic relief almost, you know? Because headbutting old ladies is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it really, it kind of is. I didn't realize it until today. And uh, and he even tells her like he does that classic like just bullshit abusive guy where he's like look see what you did yeah you hurt your mom <laughs> and again that's another uh God damn it that's another thing with the criminals and it comes up a lot in the in real life and in the show where they'll do something really terrible but it's always somebody else's fault you know they it was the yeah. you know oh sure i robbed a bank but i needed the money so the fact that i killed the security guard was his fault if he just put his gun down then i wouldn't have killed him and and, and in fact yeah. um just before he died he uh made a confession saying that he because i thought that he killed like 22 people or something and he said look i I didn't actually kill 22 people i killed between four and seven people depending on how you look at it and (laughs) i don't know quite how you um how you could look at it alternatively i don't know what the options are there but but i think that's again the same sort of thing where he's like you know oh well yeah i killed that guy but you know only because he didn't put down his gun or you know all this kind of stuff it's always sort of somebody else's fault and that's almost you talk to any criminal anywhere and they'll tell you that yeah they did the terrible thing but it was somebody else's fault 
Like, like yeah, yeah, he tripped, tripped and, and fell on my knife. <laughs> I guess you could say I killed him. I mean, it's all a matter of pers- it's just the perspective. Well, you know, you can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what what is this whole? Is this the completely the movie's narrative of him throughout the movie? After this, we see him meet up with um, Detective Downey and Detective I think Coney, and um, at a bar, and it almost seems like they're working with him to help catch other, other drug, drug dealers or. Yeah, so again, that sort of, uh, again, is completely sort of, the background of that is completely skipped over in the movie. But but yeah, so what happened is one of the scenes that we kind of skipped over is um, when he comes out of uh, prison, the first thing he does is go around and bang his old lady. And afterwards, or before, I'm not quite sure, she actually uh, injects him with speed. And I was going to actually ask you about that because... She's preparing the syringe, and then she's doing something, and then she squirts something into her mouth, like a whole syringe full of something. And then once she's done that, she loads it up with speed and injects him. And he actually says, "I don't want, this, don't inject me. You know, I don't want to do it." And she sort of makes him do it. Uh, but as a result of when he got out of prison, and he, he actually did a ton of drugs. He actually did a whole bunch of drugs for a long time. He was quite addicted. And um, and he hated it, and he hated drug dealers, and he hated the whole thing. And as I understand it, uh, when he got clean, he actually then started working with the police to, um, to inform on drug dealers and things like that because he hated drugs and he wanted the drugs to be... Oh, yeah, so he, yeah. was like a, he was supposed to be an informant but not really going out there and like actually doing vigilanteism. Well, yeah, and that's kind of a whole... <laughs> like a minute and a half long scene where he says, oh, yeah, so I'm going to go out and kill this drug dealer and I'm going to stab that drug dealer, I'm going to whatever. And the police are like, no, no, we, we, no, that's not what we want you to do. And he's like, oh, wink, wink, you don't want me to kill the drug dealers, wink, wink. And they're like, no, seriously, we don't, we don't, we don't condone that. Don't kill anybody. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I get you. Nudge, nudge. And they're just telling him over and over again in every different possible way to not go around killing people. We don't want that. We just want information. He's like, oh, okay, then. <laughs> sure, sure, we might be being recorded. Okay, cool. of course I won't kill anybody. Oh, yes, yes I absolutely promise not to kill any drug dealers you know it's a hilarious thing and uh so then chopper heads to his favorite drug dealer neville uh <laughs> which um he uh ne- reluctantly lets chopper into his property which was a bad idea but he's trying to be cordial he's trying to be nice he considers him a friend i guess even though he just shot at him at a bar not that long ago um yes uh very very forgiving guy uh this dude is I, is that is that an Australian trait of how um, I love how like nonchalant they are? Like he's just like you know he's being he's being uh, there's portions of the scene where Chopper's being absolutely just grotesquely terrifying, and Neville's just like, hey, just just could you just show a little respect and calm down? And just... Well, I don't uh, have a lot of doings in the criminal underworld, but they're not the most savory people. I think you've got to probably have a bit of latitude in who your friends are if you're going to be involved in that world. Um, but yeah, that's kind yeah. Of, that's that's kind of Australian, you know. I've, I've had friends in in my life who, you know, I'd be on the phone to someone and 
and my girlfriend would be calling out, who are you talking to? And I'd say, oh, I'm talking to Arnold. And you, Isn't he the guy that came around last week and stole our TV and left a kilo of coke in our toilet cistern without telling us and and then, you know, pissed in the elevator and we had to pay $300 to get it cleaned? And you're like, yeah, 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 he's all right. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of, Australians tend to be a bit forgiving like that, you know. Oh, man, I would have, I wish I had grown up there. I would have. <laughs> probably kept more friends uh <laughs> and uh neville is flexing his riches you know he's talking about how great he is he has guys that work for him he feeds dogs cocaine in their water they love it mate keeps them alert bonkers keeps them oh, alert. Like, of course they love it it's a fucking drug man like goddamn, it's like holy shit those dogs are as alert as hell they probably can smell shit from like even farther away and, uh, I love how I he's, love the uh, fact that. Oh, so I was going to say, I'm probably going to say the same to you. I love how his security system is. He puts the different names on the balls so that if anyone tries <laughs> to call the dogs by those names, the dogs will attack him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that works or not, but I don't it's, think a, it's so. a good yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good idea. Might as well give it a try. Why not? And uh, so, one of my favorite parts of the movie comes up where he basically tells Neville, I want money, I don't have a lot of it. Um, I know you have a lot of it because you keep talking about it. Uh, I'm going to count to 20, and, um, and then you're going to give me the money before I count to 20. And Neville the whole time is like trying to convince him. Like, no, no, what are you talking about, man? I don't got no money here. What are you talking about? He tells his own little side guy to, to describe. He's like, do, do we have any money here? And the guy's like, no money. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Chopper hits 20, and he fucking shoots Neville right in the gut. Like, <laughs> Yep, bam, straight off. <laughs> Oh, it looks painful as hell. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I've never been shot, but I've been stabbed and stuff, and that hurts bad enough. So, yeah, <laughs> I not a fan. I, I would imagine. Uh, and uh, you know, Neville is trying to just figure out if he's going to be okay. His guys are like, "What are you doing? He's your he's your friend, man. You, what's going on? Like, what the hell?" Uh, no, 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 I got the exact quote. I've got the exact quote. He says, why'd you shoot him? He's not your enemy. And then Chopper says, well, he is now. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of is, I guess. Yeah, he pretty much is. Uh, and they all get together. They jump into his car. And um, Ch Chopper gets in. And he just says, hospital, driver. Hospital, driver. <laughs> <laughs> and the detectives... The detectives actually ask him like about this stuff. They're like, "What, dude? You can't just go carte blanche, just shoot people wherever you want, whenever you want. You can't do that." And when they ask him about the ambulance, like taking him to the ambulance, Chopper takes offense to that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Oh, as if I'd shoot the guy and then drive him to the hospital. That's not something. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose of shooting you in the first place." You know? And he takes umbrage that he that they would assume that, that they, you know, well, everyone's telling the story, and he's like, "Oh no, I wouldn't do that." And of course, he did. But you know, he likes to be the tough guy. You know. Yeah, he's like, "I don't offer yeah, medical like, insurance for the people that I shoot." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Just take him to the hospital because I shot him. Yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, and, and look, that's actually based on a true story. There, there is a guy who uh, he was asked in, in an interview once, did he feel bad about killing the guy? And he um, said something along the lines of, you know, this guy on two separate occasions allowed me to shoot him twice with his own gun. No, I don't feel any sympathy <laughs> for the guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> so on two separate occasions, this guy gave up his gun to Chopper, who then subsequently shot him. And the second time he died, you know, oh you're like, God. you know, what oh what kind of world is it? You know, <laughs> where do you, how do you get through the day? <laughs> oh, man. And then, you know, one of the scenes that I was not expecting, um, because it's a movie that doesn't, I don't think has any full frontal nudity, but it does have soft wiener, um, a soft, soft wiener scene, um, where all of a sudden it looks like one of Neville's guys, right? Comes into the bar. Yeah. So what happened is he's called the cops because everyone's talking about how he's, um, uh, informing yeah. on drug dealers and so on. And so he's having to go at the cops saying, oh, you know, you've been told that I'm informing, whatever. And the two cops, again, they spend this entire movie just with incredulous looks on their faces. <laughs> so it's it's you. You've been, you've been going around town telling everybody that you have carte blanche and that you're informing. It's not us. <laughs> you've told everyone that you meet. Random strangers in the street. You're the one telling everyone that that's what you do. And then he's like, ah. <laughs> And and while he's having that conversation, yeah, the Neville's offsider and uh, Tanya come into the bar. Yeah. Oh, so that so is his Tanya. girlfriend. I, I didn't know that was her. Yeah, that's his girlfriend. Yeah, she, yeah, that's his girlfriend. She looked a little more yeah. done up than usual. I thought that was just another pretty blonde lady in the in the area. Yeah. No, well, I'd probably have to watch it a third time, but I'm pretty sure that was her. I'm 99 percent sure that was his. Yeah, girlfriend. that's yeah. who I thought it was at first. You know, that's what I was figuring it was. But he, uh, and plus because of his act, where he just whips out his wiener, just lets it kind of hang. He hangs dung, you know. He hangs dung. Yeah. So they're on a bar, and there's kind of a corner of the bar, and the two detectives are on one side, and he's on the other side, so they can't see his lower body. Yeah. And he pulls his penis out and just stands there talking to the detectives for like five minutes, yeah. playing with his. And dick. he's just kind of pointing at it like. Huh? Huh? Yeah. You like that? Huh? <laughs> you like that? Look, which that's what I thought it was kind of like. Look what you're missing. You know, yeah. it's um, kind of an, an affront to the guy. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, like a big yeah. dick move, but also to her. You know, like this is what you're missing, sort of thing. And the uh, the detectives eventually realize that his wiener is out, and they're like, "Put that up, please. <laughs> Put that up, please. Put it away, Mark." Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Again, they don't arrest him for public indecency. They just like put it away. You know. <laughs> For God's sake, Mark, put it away. You know. Following this part of the movie, um, it, it, it is uh, it, it's kind of interesting. He he ends up meeting a guy that kind of looks like Luigi a little bit um, at a at, at Bojangles, and this guy's being very friendly to him and um, getting him drinks and stuff like that. And you know, and at the same time, Chopper's a little bit like, "What the hell? What's going on? Like, I don't even know who you are, dude. Like, what the what's this about?" And he takes him out to a parking lot. And this is where the movie confuses me a little bit because we're just figuring that this is actually happening. And what happens, they go out to a parking lot. Chopper gets a little bit paranoid as to what this guy's intentions are. And um, he busts out his gun and he just shoots this guy straight up in the face. Right? Pretty much. I mean, it's insane. It is insane. I uh, The guy's kind of acting like, hey, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to fuck with you man like i'm just trying to talk to you we're just hanging out well he actually said like you know chopper says oh you took me out to the car park and he's like but uh, you you brought me out to the car park (laughs) (laughs) what are you talking about i didn't do anything (laughs) i would be terrified to talk to someone like him that's just like fucking starting to think weird shit i'd be like "Uh, uh oh shit i'm sorry man like i'm not trying to hurt you but it, but it shit goes, goes down, down south down. hard. Yeah, and, it takes a ten. Um, 
Oh man, Jimmy's Jimmy's wife sees like the, the shot to the face, and she's freaking the fuck out. She has to get back into the car, and it is just a complete crapshoot after that. And, and what's really um, uh, weird is uh, yeah, so the whole thing is really confusing. I had to watch it a couple of times to understand. So you've got the the nightclub, um, Bojangles, and there's two car parks and two doors. So what happened was that he was the the Turkish guy who got shot in the face, he was supposed to befriend him and whatever and then take him out through a certain door at roughly a certain time. And then the guys are waiting in the car park to, to shoot Chopper. But then Chopper yeah. uh, drags him or convinces him whatever to leave at the right time, whoever convinced who, I don't know. And they went out the other door. So they went out the back door or the side door instead of the front door and ended up in a different part of the car park. So that's how... Um, but then was, but then there was no one waiting to kill him. So Chopper's really confused. He's like, well, obviously I'm being led here to be shot, but there's no one here. And then he gets all confused. And when he gets confused, bad things happen. <laughs> 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 and I do love when he when he tells the he's telling the detectives what happened, like what actually happened. Straight up, straight up. So he's in he cuts to the bar, and he's like, so this happened, and that happened, and I took my gun out, and I shot him in the face, and you know, all this kind of stuff. He just fully confesses to the whole thing. Oh, there's a little bit there about how, oh, he had a gun. He was trying to sell me a gun, and I thought he was going to shoot me, so I shot him. So he did kind of cover himself a little bit. But basically, he completely spills his guts, right? Yeah, go on. He does. And the, and the detectives are like, what are, you, what are you talking about, man? Like, you're what are you doing? You didn't kill this guy. We we actually already found out who killed him. We we have them in custody. It wasn't you. He's, and the detectives We have the gun. Yeah, we have the gun, and he actually he actually butts out his gun. He does. It's like a shot-off shotgun or something. Uh, a twenty ten or something. I don't know. I don't yeah, even know what it was. A tiny like little, tiny little shotgun thing. Yeah, it's like a handheld shotgun. Yeah, it's yeah, insane. And he's like, "Dude, take this to forensic. Yeah. Right? You'll figure out that I killed." I'm like, "What is wrong with you, man? Just he's, fucking let them." The literal line in the movie is: He pulls the gun out on the table, confesses the whole thing, and they're like, "We don't believe you." And he's like, "I." Have never been so insulted in my life. <laughs> you know? He takes it personal. He's like, "Hey, if I killed somebody, I want people to know I killed that person." <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, man? Oh my yeah. god, yeah, he yeah, is geez. just such a character. And eventually, Chopper, he, he's doing the narration. He's he lets everyone know that eventually the authorities figured out what the hell happened, and they ended up pegging him for the murder. And now we're back into um, we're back into the courtroom, and Jimmy's chick is testifying against against uh, against Chopper, saying that she saw him shoot that Luigi in the face. Yeah, there was no and, other gun or anything like that. Which Chopper told yeah. him that he had a gun and all that, he didn't have and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we find out that this guy's name like Turkish something or Turk something, the guy that got shot in the face, um, because uh, Chopper tells the detectives, "Oh, you know." I didn't really know this guy. He's 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 more of like an ethnic type, and you know I don't really have the time to to, to get to know those blokes. I'm like, God damn, dude. Yeah, that's pretty racist shit. Jesus Christ, man. Oh man, give the Turks a, an opportunity. I mean, you never know. They have good food. Yeah, um, I love Turkish food. <laughs> and uh, so poor poor Luigi. I, I call him Luigi because he just kind of looks more Luigi to me. 
Uh, and yeah, so they're in the courtroom, and eventually it does it does end up happening. We do figure out that yeah, Jimmy was basically supposed to snuff him out, and that's why Luigi looked over chopper's shoulder because he was expecting jimmy to be on the other side of it but there was nobody there because he took him to the wrong damn parking lot it's two parking lots it's a 50 50 shot took him to the wrong lot oh my god and um this gets a bunch of media attention to him uh chopper still ends up having to do five years because he wounded the guy well you get away with the murder so the murder yeah. he gets off scot free, but he gets busted for um for the shooting of the other guy of, of Neville. The drug, yeah, of shooting Neville. So that's what he went to do the five years for, and and I think he calls him a sook at one point. It's like, oh, he's such a sook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets <laughs> shot. In the, so he gets shot in the leg, and then he gets shot at in the bar, and then he gets shot in the chest or the stomach. Sorry, but he's a sook. He was a total whinging sook because he complained about it and had to go to jail. Yeah. Is that like like a like a wussy like a wuss bag? Like a... Yeah, yeah, like a sook is like a crybaby, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Like if you're a, like if you're a six year old and you have a tantrum about something, then you go in the corner and have a sook, you know. You... Okay. I get it. Yeah, no, no, no. He has that. Vi- I think. I think that's the thing. Neville's actually not a bad guy. It's just that he, the kind of person he is, Chopper just does not like. He just doesn't like him, and uh, that's not good for you if Chopper doesn't like you as a person. No, it's, it's, you're screwed. That's not going to go well. But, but then after the end of the court case, did you notice that really weird part of the movie where because up because <laughs> up until this point, you know that. Neville made it's the phone call. It's all really weird. Well, yeah, it is weird, but it gets weirder. There's a part where you see the phone call and you know that they're in the car park, but it's never really clearly explained exactly what happened about the two car parks and all that kind of stuff. So then after the court case, when he gets off for the murder, but five years for the sook, um, then there's this weird rhyming thing where they do the whole oh, yeah. breaks the fourth wall and you see them in the car park talking to the camera saying, oh, and then this happened and then it cuts to the next piece and then, oh, and then that happened and then it cuts to the turkeys and then I'm in the to the car park. But they're all talking in rhyme. The whole thing, everything they say rhymes. It's, you're like, I'm just watching this thing. What? <laughs> Why are we now breaking the fourth wall and rhyming at me? What are you doing? Jimmy and the boys will be in the car. You help set up the big fella, it'll make you a star. They said they had it farmed out, they had it ghosted. But when I walked out the door, they just left me posted. The game was for real, it was no lark, but the twit took him out of the wrong car park. Silly boys, that's all the chopper had to say. And poor little Semi got blown away. And I'll, I'll, maybe I'll throw in a portion of that uh, in this episode. But that's another reason why I wanted people to watch this first because there are those moments where you have to see it. I'm just like, this is like some weird dreamlike shit, but this is actually trying to tell us what actually happened. And the stuff that was dreamlike shit seemed like the actual movie. Like, it's just like, what the fuck is happening? But it's a good what the fuck. It's not a bad what the fuck. No, no, not at all. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun jaunty run. Like, I just, I just want to, you know, it's a good, it's fun. But then the end of the movie is like comes back to the beginning again. So they're in the cell. He's watching himself on TV, um, and they're having jokes about whatever. And that's when they one of the younger put this is an old guy and a young guy, prison officer, screws. And the young guy says to him, "You know, oh, did all this stuff actually happen?" And that's when he says a bit about, oh, "I never let the truth get in the way of a good story." But 
whatever. And then, and yeah, what he I says, think, he says, uh, I never let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. Yeah, I'm good yarn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know that a lot of it is true. But I'll uh, say mostly true. But then, um, what I thought was really emblematic of not only the movie, but Chopper's relationship to Australia and Australia's relationship to Chopper, and really kind of spot the whole thing out is that this uh, old prison guard. Uh, and they said, oh, look, I've got to go, mate. You know, it's late. We've got to do rounds or whatever. And so Chopper turns off the TV and they have a chat. And then the old prison guard's like, you're right for smokes, mate. Uh, and Chopper's like, yeah, yeah, I've got some smokes. I'm okay. And, and they go to leave. And the young prison officer says, oh, look, mate, sorry, I've got to close your door. <laughs> you know, and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, he's in prison. <laughs> yeah, <why are> you, <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm sorry, but i got to close your door. Well, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a jail cell, man. Of course you got to close the goddamn door. He's a goddamn murderer, but uh, but yeah, they, there's just, a yeah. weird yeah. There, he's um, they res they. they I I don't want to say respect, but they, there's a friendship there. There's a trust. There's a uh, there's something about him that just people find, I guess, intoxicating and just absolutely enjoy being around him. As I said, he's got that kind of he's got the swatter v whatever it is, uh, je ne sais quoi. I don't know yeah. what you call it. Whereas you know people who meet him and interact with him like him in, until they he shoots him in the face or cuts off one of their toes with bolt cutters but you know up until that point yeah. he's um he's a great bloke you know but um he seems more hardcore with the reporter in real life if you look at the youtube video of, of that ori original coverage of him from australia and i think they may have used the same reporter in the movie i'm not 100 percent sure but she, yeah it's like a i mean if not they found someone that looks just like her <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely her. Yeah. <laughs> she it's... did a good job. Yeah, yeah. She actually says, um, she actually says, uh, I don't know if you've seen that video in a, in a while, but she actually tells, um, she tells Chopper, well, you certainly don't have Mickey Mouse ears. Can you talk a little bit about your ears? <laughs> and he goes, oh, you're a cheeky little bastard, aren't you? <laughs> and again, you know, he, he takes you a little bit of shit for that. Yeah, yeah, but he takes it on the chin, you know. If you haven't watched it already, yeah. look up uh, an interview with uh, a comedian called L. McFeast, MC Feast. Um, he's completely drunk of his ass, and he actually calls him out, and it's like, he put me in the green room for three hours with cartons of beer and whatever, and I'm completely wasted, and he does this whole interview with her completely drunk on this couch thing, and at one point he's trying to grope her and having a laugh, you know. It's, it's well worth watching if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Nice. I looked at, I just Googled her right now. L, like E L L E. Yeah, yeah. Ellen McFeast. Ellen and she's, McFeast. She's absolutely hilarious. And she takes the whole thing in stride and um, tries to control him. And But she's just funny through the whole thing. It's a really great interview. <laughs> when I say interview, I should say interaction. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever you have with him, it's going to be some kind of an experience. And every time it's going to be different. Um, it's just amazing, man. I mean, you know, the closest. Um, I mean, he, uh, he definitely wasn't like a criminal of that level, but um, kind of reminds me of when you see Mike Tyson in interviews. Mike Tyson is one of those. He's going to be exactly who he is. Um, he's not going to adjust for you. You're going to adjust for him. And uh, he's very enigmatic. He's just his, in his own head. And sometimes he's hilarious. And this guy is not saying a joke. Like he's just he, he's weird. Um, that's the only kind of person I can think of that was as part of like our mainstream media that people just want to speak to, even though they are unpredictable and could be very dangerous. 
Um, I think Mike Tyson might be a very close American version of this guy, and honestly had very similar, like pretty rough upbringings. Yeah, that probably um, got on really well until they, they probably each other. would. Yeah. yeah, they probably would kill each other, but um, at least for a while, it would be amazing. It'd be hilarious um, to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I do like that part though at the very end where. Everyone leaves, you know, they ask him about, you know, they're like, I'm going to close your door. They close the door and you just see him there and he's just kind of there in the quiet. It's like he's turned off now. Like he really only flips it on when he's there to entertain people. Yeah, they really uh, linger on him just staring at the wall. The TV's off, the room's going dark and he's just sitting there literally just staring at the wall for a few seconds. And you work out that, yeah, he's just going to stare at that wall for the next two hours until it's bedtime and he's tired and then he'll just roll over and go to sleep. And tomorrow morning when there's somebody else in his cell, he turns it on again, yeah. Yeah, then the show's back on. Um, It it reminds me a little bit. I mean, it's totally an entertainer's perspective. You know, I think some of the greatest comedians out there um, are incredibly damaged individuals with a lot of darkness in them. And, but when they're in front of a crowd or when they're in front of friends or, or anybody else, they're able to flip a switch and be incredibly entertaining. And, and that is something that I think, um, chopper reed was was a big part of i think that was a big part of who he was but the movie captures it very well in my opinion i i just absolutely had a good time with this um and as you know um as we get to toward the end of this episode, oh no we... no 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 what <laughs> it's gonna be a good one don't worry don't worry it's gonna be quick all right i'll prepare you know, myself mentally <laughs> this, this is how i know you actually listen to the show um of course i, listen. I, like I love to... you man <laughs> Thanks, man. I like to do a quick impression of, uh, that captures a, a little bit of the movie. And uh, this is a segment I like to call Quick Impressions. <laughs> quick Impressions. Such a big fuss over such a little hole. Put one in the brain there. Mark, oh, man, Jesus Christ, let's give him the chopper. Come on, mate. You don't do this to your mates. <laughs> You're a dead man, Chopper. You're walking around with one foot in the fucking grave. Get in, you fucking golly woman. Hospital driver. <clears throat> driver hospital. That is all I'm doing because I got an actual Australian on the show and it's probably not very good, but those are the only two words I'm saying, baby. And I appreciate that very much. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I know I it's, probably- a, it's an ongoing joke that maybe you know your audience is not aware of, but I have a serious, serious issue with, with people portraying Australians on TV shows and movies who aren't Australian. And I've... <laughs> You know, I've never once heard it done even remotely close. And every time it just sucks stabbing me in the face, you know, when someone tries to do an Australian accent. And even Meryl Streep, she played Lindy Chamberlain in the... Dingo took my baby movie, whatever it was called, and um, and if what I like to tell people is, if Meryl Streep can't do an Australian accent, you cannot do an Australian accent. So don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just getting to the ratings portion of the show. I don't feel like I really need to ask you, but what would you give? Would you give this the full Fu Manchu? I would. Uh, I think it's a, a flawed film. Uh, I think they could have done more of an origin story. Uh, I think um, the use of Don't Let Me In 
for a prison movie was a bit on the nose. Uh, that's a song I did not need to hear in the credits. Um, I think he was a deeply flawed individual who did a lot of bad things, and the movie kind of, in some way, um, idolizes him, I guess, or or at least doesn't really make it terribly obvious that he was a really bad person. Um, and, and, and so I have issues with the film. Um, but overall, I love the film. Uh, I love the story. He's an amazing guy. Um, he did only really, other than beating up his girlfriend, um, but she's a prostitute, so she's not really alive. You know, it doesn't count. Um, you know, they're all dead inside. It doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, but apart from that, um, it's, a, it's a great film. It's about the most Australian film I can think of. There's, you know, the one I was talking about earlier, The Castle, and there's a few others that are maybe will out Australian in it, but it's, it's a very true to Australia film. Uh, I, I would recommend that people watch it. Awesome, man. I, I feel the same way. I give this the full Fu Manchu recommendation. It may not be something that um, I'm going to watch all the time, but I think it is worth watching. I think I think when you, when you get a good view at it, I think it's worth a few watches. I, I would say two or three in a way because it takes a little bit to kind of get a good grasp of, of um, what the what the movie is trying to tell you but um as you start to learn a little bit more about chopper himself and um his personality and you watch the movie it starts making even more sense it's kind of like one of those weird i don't know if you remember in the early 2000s or 90s where you had to cross your eyes to see a full 3d image of some crazy ass bullshit yeah 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 magic that's something that, yeah, magic, magic, eye. magic, magic eye. eye, magic yeah, yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah. That's what this movie is. It's magic eye. You know, you get, you, you 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 get into it. You're like, whoa, this is kind of cool. What the fuck? And eventually, you cross your eyes, and it all starts making a little more sense. Uh, <laughs> Look, I just want to say uh, one more thing about Chopper. Um, he did have an absolutely horrendous childhood. Uh, he was a bad person who did bad things. Funny as hell, but he, he was a bad person. But after he got out of prison the last time, he actually got together with an old girlfriend of his from high school, and they moved to Tasmania, and he spent you know, the remaining years of his life very quietly, not hurting anybody, not doing dumb shit, just living on a farm somewhere and whatever. And then he got liver cancer, and he died actually from liver cancer. He got hepatitis in prison, um, or, you know, from stabbing people, I guess, I don't know. And... Um, he was actually doing an interview and they asked him, oh, are you going to get a, a liver transplant? And he got really angry with the interviewer and he said, look, yes, I could get a liver transplant and it would save my life, but I'm not going to take a liver away from a kid or or a good person who who could save their life by having that liver. I'm just going to take my knocks. And um, that, that made me have a bit of respect for the guy. No, I, I did read that as well. And, and it did give me a little bit of, you know, you, you you can't forgive the 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 crimes he committed and the things that he did um, to to a lot of people, but you can also you can understand what was going on in that head and and the things that led to that moment. But in the uh, but the fact of the matter is, there's a part of his heart that is a pretty decent human um, that just didn't get enough time to shine. And a big part of that was that the fact that he was willing to be like, "Hey, I gave my life a shot. It's not worth continuing if it means I'm going to take a liver from someone that could actually make a good impact in this world. So I'm just going to call it a day and live as long as I can." So I I think he is somebody that is to 
definitely not be forgotten. It's no, he's not somebody that you want to, you know, really look up to, but he's someone that should not be forgotten because he, he, he is, uh, entertaining, um, not perfect. Like many of our, you know, people that are very well known, uh, famous people. And they're, he's very flawed, uh, to, to a, a big extent, but, I think the movie does a good job of capturing a lot of those moments. It's just, like you said, it's a little fragmented. It's not as smooth as maybe as it could have been. But Eric Bana, I think, is what makes the movie <laughs> as awesome as it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's worth watching because of that. He's just amazing in it. So, yes, definitely check it out, y'all. Um, I, I want to let y'all know that... I don't know how good it's going to sound um, when this episode comes out because um, with cast and David being in some magical world that isn't, you know, like we don't... <laughs> um, uh, for... Someone that uses a metric system, you mean? Yeah, a place that uses a metric system. Just this magical, un uh, like, just you can't comprehend it place. Um, it, there's been some disconnects, but you know what? I'm going to try to make this work. Hopefully it all comes together. If not, next time I, I have David on the show, I'm going to be in Australia. That's the way we're going to fucking do it. Perfect. Same room. Same I'll be there in person. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll buy you a so beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, David, um, I know you're going to be on the grind bin very soon. Do you have anything else that you would like to promote on the show? The grind bin tomorrow, and then on Sunday, um, so today's uh, Thursday, doing the grind bin on Friday, and then on Sunday I'm doing the Bloody Bits Horror Podcast, uh, okay. which is which is awesome. I know you are well familiar <laughs> with that crew. Um, yeah. But no, I don't have any social media. I don't have any life of any kind. Uh, I've got nothing to promote. You are incredibly mysterious. mysterious. Um, but... He's not mysterious in terms of his, his voice and his opinions. And yes, y'all know the bloody bits. Y'all know the grind bin. I think all our episodes are probably be coming out. So David's literally going to be on three fucking podcasts all coming out right around the same time, which is hilarious. Um, it's just the way it worked out. None of us like try to coordinate what the fuck we're doing. This just happened, y'all. So definitely, if you like David here, you're going to love David on bloody bits. And you're going to love David on the grind bin. So go check it out. Uh, as far as my show is concerned, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the outro, but um, there is a Discord. I, I want to have more people on the Discord. Look for it. I have it in the in the major link that's right there on the Instagram and Twitter. Click that. Click the link tree, and you will find the Discord. I love the participation. There's a lot of good stuff out there um, in that Discord for you to talk about. So please check that out. There is, David. and everyone should definitely go and buy a T-shirt. For God's sake, buy a T-shirt. Oh yeah, yeah, buy a T-shirt. Why not? Why not? Um, <laughs> David, thank you so much for, for being part of the show, man. I appreciate it. No problems, Daniel. I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's uh, It's been a blast, and I'm really uh, grateful to talk about a, an Aussie movie, and I hope it wasn't too much for you. <laughs> no, I absolutely loved it, man. Uh, and I can't wait to have you on uh, next time. So, Look dude, to it. Uh, absolutely love it. And I will talk to all of y'all later. Bye. Bye for now. Thank you to all the mustachiosos out there supporting the show. Interact with the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and now Discord. Just click on the link in the show notes. If you really love the show, visit the shop on Bonfire and get yourself a t-shirt. Mustachio Podcastio is the weird uncle of the Podmoth Media Network.